0: Hey, Forward City family, Um, we're so glad that you're joining with us today at our online broadcast. And now, if you haven't heard, we have some really great news because starting next week, we're going to be meeting live together at the Chatham Christian School. And and since we're going to be meeting outside, we are able to actually have our kids' programs. We're going to have Speedsters and we're going to have City City Kids. It's going to be a fantastic time together as we enter the summer uh, meeting together live. So check out our social media pages for information on that. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been challenged to make some difficult choices. Now, these choices in themselves aren't hard, but they are, however, difficult because each choice comes with a cost. I mean, if we make them, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us comfort. It's going to cost us some of our desires and wants. It's going to cost some of our time. And it's definitely going to cost some of our control. But as we've discovered together, these choices are worth it. And Because while we can't change the actions in our past, we can be intentional to make the wise choices today for our future. Because who you are and where you will be is largely going to be influenced by the choices that you make today and going forward. So every time we choose discipline over regret, purpose over approval, surrender over control, commission over omission, and every time we choose what is important over what is urgent, we're living our lives with heavenly values and for an eternal prize. Now, as we conclude this series, I have one more choice that as followers of Jesus Christ that we need to make. But before that, I, I want to take you back a little bit. I want to take you back to 1993 when a 7-minute, 38-second long song was released by a guy named Meatloaf. Yeah, now you heard that right. His name is Meatloaf. He's named after one of my least favorite meals of all time. Now, this song is pretty anthemic, and it it, it reignited Meatloaf's career. And the song, it it starts with a a guitar played to sound like a revving motorcycle, and then it's followed by a catchy piano hook. Now, I'm not sure if you know the song, but you probably have heard these lyrics before. The lyrics start off with, um, "I, I would do anything for love. But then he says, but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. Now, I understand that's a super classic lyric and um, like, I won't do anything for love. And you may have heard the song before, but that that, that phrase, I will do anything for love, became a massive talking point among fans and critics alike during that day. Because they all wondered, what is the that referring to in the song that Meatloaf won't do? Now, the the song, again, you may like it or not like it, but the song reached number one on the charts in 28 countries. It was a number one hit in the U.S. for over five weeks, and it sold over 1.4 million copies. So It was a super popular song. So if you haven't heard it, I mean, it's really cheesy, but for some reason, it's the kind of song that once you hear it, it just gets stuck in your head, and you can't get it out. Now... I'm not mentioning this song so that I'm, I'm not advocating that you put it on your Spotify playlist but I mention it because it's the kind of song, this kind of song reminds me that we all have things in our lives that we will do and we all have things in our lives that we won't do. We all have won'ts in our lives, don't we? One of the won'ts in our family is that we as a family will never go whitewater rafting again. Now, I've been whitewater rafting and I absolutely loved it. But as a family, it's a different story. A number of years ago, when our kids were really small, we visited my brother in North Carolina. Now in Charlotte, where he lives, there is the United States Whitewater Rafting Training Facility. This is the place where they train um, canoeists and they train um, kayakers for the Olympics. And it's a man-made river built with all these rapids and some are different degrees. It's just a fantastic place. And, and you can go there as a family and they'll take you in a in a whitewater raft down this river. and there's there's an instructor in the back, and you just kind of go in the front with your family. And it was great. It's not a huge raft. There's just four of us on it, so um, my daughters, Marsha, me, and then the instructor. And so as we're going down this river, we're all kind of paddling along, and she's explaining to us what we're supposed to do, and when we get to this spot, do this and do that. And that was great, but the problem is our daughters were small. Matea was okay, but Rylan was this this wee little girl. And so whenever she put her paddle in the water, it was just like she was barely moving anything. So um, it was a bit of a liability. Loved the girl, but in that moment she was a liability because what happened was when we went down this one part of the rapids, we needed someone outside to kind of be able to pull the paddle really hard. And we were trying as best as we could, but we got stuck in this one spot. And what happened was the boat just kind of like coupled together and almost folded in half. And in that moment, the paddle that Marsha was holding hit her in the face And all I hear, as we're, as as we're, as we're sandwiched together, I hear Marsha scream, my tooth, my tooth. And I look over, and then her tooth had been just like, like cut right in half. And it was chipped. It looked like a fang. It it was like, oh my goodness, are you okay, Marsha? I'm trying to help her out. And then I hear this, this, this voice crying out saying, somebody get me. And I look over and it's Rylan and and she's leaning over the boat. All I see are two little legs and the rest of her body's in the water. And so then I just go over, I leave Marsha, I go over and I grab her and I pull her into the boat. And then we get off to the side and we were just like catching our breath for a moment. And then in that moment, Rylan just looked at all of us and said, that's it. I'm done. And we, we just had to paddle off to the side, and Marcia and uh, Ryland, they got off, and I looked at Matea, and she's like, we can keep going, but the instructor's like, no, uh, we can't do that. And what made it more complicated was my brother had just moved to Charlotte, and he didn't have a dentist. He it, it was a Friday at like four, so we didn't know what to do, and Marcia had this tooth that was like literally cut in half, and she was like, what are we going to do? We were able to find a dentist and, you know, it all worked out and our vacation continued. But because of that, every time we see whitewater rafting on TV, Marsha looks at me and she's like, nope, we're never doing that again as a family. I mean, our girls would do it. Ryland, they're they're game to do it. But Marsha's like, nope, that is a won't for our family. How many of you have a won't? I mean, it may not be whitewater rafting, but maybe your won't is I'm not, I won't go there. I I won't eat that. I, I won't do that maybe your won't is i won't do that again see we all have won'ts in our lives and we all have wills in our lives we have won'ts in our lives but the problem is is when our won'ts extend to people see a few days ago a while ago i got a call from a guy that i'd never met asking if i could sit down with he and his wife because they were going through a rough time and They needed someone to help them out, and so I told him, we have this counseling program that I'd love to get you guys connected to, but he said that they just felt like they needed to talk to someone soon. They couldn't wait, and I'm like, okay, well, let's sit and talk, so we set up a meeting in a park for a few days later. Now, like I said before, I didn't know this couple, so I, I, I tried to creep them on social media just to get an idea of who they are, but they didn't have a social media footprint, and so I went into the meeting blind. I didn't know the context. Really, I knew a little bit, but not much. And, but when I got there, see, I know this isn't going to sound good. I, I, I know this isn't going to sound loving, and I know this isn't going to sound Christ-like. And I know what I'm going to say right now, for most of you, it's going to paint me in a very bad light. But I have to be honest, when I first saw them, when I pulled up, when I saw them, I began to judge them. They were a couple that if I saw on the street, I probably would just walk past them. You know, I probably think, oh, what a shame. Uh, you know, I wish someone would help them. Maybe I would say a prayer, but I wouldn't want God to have me be the answer to their prayer. Maybe some money, but not my time and not my life. So when I pulled up, I was like, let's just get this going. Let's, let's hurry this along so I can get home. Now, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that moment. I mean, here was a couple that was just looking for some guidance and and all I could see, all I could see was my bias and my judgment because I was only looking at the outside. And it was in that moment that God reminded me of what James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote to the letter to the churches that had been scattered around the region. Listen to what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you you can stand over there. Or, or else you can sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? In this passage, James paints a picture of a group of people gathered to praise God and in comes two other people. And instead of extending welcome to them both, they're divided into categories. The rich and the poor. The haves and the have-nots. And then James goes on and he says this, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Now this passage doesn't take any digging to find out what James is trying to communicate. James isn't sharing some deep theological truth. He's just really pointing out that in their churches, they were valuing the wrong things. See, they were looking at the outward. Well, God was placing His value on the inside. He was placing it on their faith. And it was in that moment that God revealed to me, God brought this passage to mind, that as I was looking at this couple, I was reminded that this isn't just an early church problem. But this broken condition, it's still ingrained in the church today. And the worst part of it is this broken condition is in you and it's still in me. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. James here is reminding us that God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't discriminate. And as children of God, neither should we. But that every time we do, it's a sin. Now, I'm not saying that we are prejudiced and I'm not, or that we willingly discriminate. I'm just aware of the uncomfortable truth that there are individuals and even types of people that we as children of God move towards and move away from. People we welcome with open arms, while others we give a polite smile and then just move right on past. So if we were truly honest with ourselves, we all have categories of people that we marginalize or show prejudice against. Now, I don't know you, but maybe those types of people for you are wealthy people. Maybe they're poor people. Maybe they're popular people. Maybe they're the people on the fringe. Maybe they're people of a different ethnic backgrounds or people with a history and baggage people with addictions see what we're doing is we're acting as a judge and so you've drawn a conclusion about them you've looked at all the evidence as shallow as it is you know we've looked at all the evidence and drawn a conclusion and we've labeled that person as guilty you know guilty of too much money maybe guilty of not enough money guilty of a good pedigree or guilty of not a good enough pedigree guilty 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 See, we've drawn a conclusion about someone with no information through so that we've become judges and without realizing it, we've set up categories that God doesn't even recognize. see we've, we, we, we've become we, we've had a higher standard for who we will and who we won't accept higher than God does. And through all of that we've forgotten that you and I have been accepted by God despite all of our sin despite our backgrounds despite our abilities and inabilities in spite of the boatload of stuff that you and I have done we have been accepted by God and he does and he's saying here don't turn around and reject other people based on silly dumb little things that you wouldn't want me to judge you on Now, now my intention for this message isn't to shame you or accuse you but rather to remind you that every person has value. And because of that, you and I need to be willing to open our doors, our arms, and our lives to those God is drawing to His kingdom. You and I need to choose to look at the inside over the outside. Because when you and I choose to see past superficial labels and see people as God sees them, you and I will be willing to step into their lives with God's love and God's care and God's message. Now, after I was rebuked by God, I asked his forgiveness. And then God, he opened my eyes to how absolutely beautiful this couple was. And what I had intended to only last 20 minutes and then bolt out of there went on for over two hours. And it wasn't a chore. It was honestly a joy. We were talking and laughing together. And I had the privilege of sharing the love that Jesus has for them. And to think, I almost missed that incredible blessing. See, as followers of Christ, we need to erase our categories. And we need to choose to look at the inside over the outside. Because, see, God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't discriminate. So neither should we. See, every person is equally valued by God and therefore you and I need to choose to look past these superficial labels and willingly step into their lives with God's love, God's care, and God's message. Fort City family, I love you and I'll pray for you as you continue to erase those categories so that you can truly love your neighbor as God has desired us to do. Have a great week and we'll see you next week outside. If you're comfortable to meet with us outside, there's going to be lots of space. We'd love to have you meeting at the Chatham Christian School. Remember, the kids have a space. The kids are going to be able to do their program and it's going to be fantastic. We'll see you next week. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week.